Welcome to Decoding Sales, a podcast where an engineer, that's me, Alex, and a salesperson, that's me, Peter, talk about the art and science of sales as it relates to life and business. In this episode, we're going to try something a little bit new and different. We are going to do a quick hitter episode where we talk about a controversial topic. In this case, we are going to talk about cold prospecting and how you should feel about it, both as a salesperson and a prospect. So, Peter, why don't you get us started? You came into this prep when we were talking about what we're going to cover today, fired up and raging and raging to talk about this. Post on LinkedIn about people who are prospecting and how they treat the SDRs. So, do you want to read us what got you going? Yeah, so take a listen to this, Alex. A cybersecurity executive posted this of an SDR that has reached out to her. So she writes, them, unsolicited email sales pitch. Me, no reply. Repeat six times. Them, quote, I'm not sure if I'm reaching out to the right person. Usually I talk to someone in vulnerability management. Could you point me to the right direction? I'm still not replying. Not because I'm the wrong person, but because if I am interested in getting a demo in sales pitch, I'll contact their CEO or chief data scientist who I'm friends with. I know sales is a tough gig, but read the room. I'm not interested in asking me to point an unsolicited sales pitch to a colleague isn't going to happen. So this got me really riled up. I absolutely hate Alex, security IT folks who publicly post and shame SDRs for just trying to do their job. And that's essentially what this post was all about. Okay, Peter, I think this is a great little debate here because as an engineer, I hate receiving these kind of emails, especially the ones that send me like three replies and then say, I'm not sure if I've got the right person. You definitely haven't gotten the right person. Good, good point. I, you know, I would say to play devil's advocate, it takes two to three seconds to reply to that email. You can either, by the way, you don't even need to reply. You can just hit the unsubscribe button to not get further email communication. And remember, a lot of folks, these are STRs. Maybe it's their first, second job out of school. It's an entry point into sales. They're just trying to make ends meet, right? And a lot of these folks don't get paid a lot of money. They're just trying to do their job. So I think, you know, as a society, it would be nice and empathetic if we were to understand that and try to point folks in the right direction. I mean, imagine, think about the first job you had and how much of an idiot you probably were. Or maybe you aren't, Alex, because you're a brilliant engineer, but I definitely was an idiot like my first few jobs and sometimes I still feel like an idiot. And I appreciate folks who are looking to help me out or who give me live feedback to say, hey, Peter, this is not the right message, but thanks for reaching out. You know, I think we all need a little a little dose of empathy and understanding for what folks are going through right now to to do their job. Okay, so first of all, you know it takes the least amount of time hitting the spam button. And if it's Gmail, it will also let me unsubscribe if they've included an unsubscribe, which by the way, many of them don't. Um, so that's my usual strategy, which maybe is not the nicest. Um, but I got to say, don't you think that like, the companies have some responsibility here. I totally hear you on the SDR. Somebody who just graduated from college, they're young and eager to prove themselves. Bushy, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, probably great, like, at parties. Very nice person. <laughs> um, but 
I am confused why it's like considered okay for the company to like unleash them on a random set of prospects with like some pretty like low quality marketing automation. Yeah, I think that's a good point too. I think the company and the SDRs too, by the way, because a lot of SDRs are hired to be creative and actually be thoughtful about the prospecting. At the very least, you should be reaching out to the right persona and you should be doing research around the title and the type of company you're reaching out to. Now, the problem I have with this particular LinkedIn post is that she actually says she's the right person. She said, I'm not going to reply, not because I'm the wrong person, but because if I am interested in getting a demo, I'm going to contact their CEO. So I think like that is, is something I have a problem with because you're essentially saying they've done their job researching the right person to reach out to. And she potentially might have a problem in the area that the SCR is outlining, but she's still negatively posting about this person who, again, is just trying to do their job and, you know, it, at, at least is doing a thoughtful job to filter, right? As far as I can tell from the post. Now, if you're spraying and praying, you're not really looking or double checking your email, you're not checking to see if you can personalize an element of your note, then, you know, maybe that warrants some public shaming. But I think that if an SCR is reaching out about a pain point that you might have, I think it's um, inconsiderate to be annoyed by that. And again, to publicly shame. So I do hear you that there's a little bit of maybe high and mightiness. I'm not quite sure what the word is. Yeah, arrogance, and I would say. Arrogance, high and mightiness. And, you know, if you have time to bring down somebody publicly, like... You know, you have time to bring somebody up too, right? Or time, you know, maybe you enjoy that more than doing your job, right? It says a lot about, I think, you as a person and your character. Yeah, I mean, it's particularly for me in this example you gave where the person actually knows the the CEO and I think you said the chief data officer, data science, whatever the specific role was. Like, they know people at this company. And, and so on the, on the one hand, the idea that, they would, you know, reach out to those people like, yeah, I, I kind of, it kind of resonates, but it kind of resonates with me that like both, it's a little bit like pulling rank almost, but, but also, isn't it fair to say that this prospect, maybe you should have like spent 10 seconds on LinkedIn and noticed that this person was connected to the CEO and, and this other person and, and maybe thought about like alternative ends for their, uh, for their product. Like, isn't that just like laziness in your, your filtering? Um, I, I think it could be depending on the competing priorities this SCR has, right? Or the salesperson has. I think in theory, you would like to ch double check everybody's network and make sure there's no overlap and you have the right software tools to catch that. But in reality, that's not the case, right? Um, and it's, it's sometimes not a 10 to 15 second exercise. It's a much longer endeavor to figure out who's mapped to who. And so another approach is, is for this particular person to reply and say, hey, like, I actually know your CEO and chief data scientist. It's not the right time, but when it is, I'll reach out to them directly. And then at that point, the SDR should probably connect with their CEO, chief data scientist and figure out a strategy there. But you can't always bat 100 percent on the initial um, on the initial uh, engagement. Right. Nobody does. And, and this this is for non-sales engagements, too. 
But isn't that what we're aspiring to? Isn't the whole point of this podcast, Peter, that we're all about like building authentic relationships rather than uh, marketing automation software? Yeah, but you know, the authentic and genuine reality is that sometimes we don't have the opportunity to personalize everything. That is reality, right? I think that what this podcast is about is making sure you build authentic relationships and build authentic experiences. And part of the authentic experience and genuine experience that people go through is they need to get the volume of people to reach out to to get 30 meetings a quarter, right? It's not possible sometimes to do that by being thoughtful for every single micro interaction that you might have. And it's a very real trade off that sometimes you have to make around personalization versus automation. And the honest to God truth is that no matter how personalized something is, if it's not hitting a pain point that you have, you're probably not going to reply to it. No matter how automated something is, is if it's hitting a pain point that you have, you probably will reply to it. So this dynamic is what plays out with outbound sales, right? Sometimes you automate and sometimes you personalize and you take your chances on that because both, both work, right? People don't automate emails because they don't work. Yeah. So, so what you're saying, Peter, is... On the sales side, yeah, we should totally feel comfortable sending some automation, automated emails out, some automated content, because it either it's going to work and it helps somebody or, or they're going to ignore it. But I don't think you can then also come here and say, by the way, it would be polite to write back and explain that you're not interested. Like, if I'm getting an automated email, I want an automated system to process it. And my Gmail spam filter is actually like a pretty good one. So I feel like I'm doing the right thing after all of this by hitting that like, you know, spam button. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, that's up to you, and you could definitely do that. Um, I would say, you know, that's very different from publicly posting that you don't like people prospecting to you, right? The other thing, like, to play devil's advocate a little bit more on this topic is, you know, imagine, like, your favorite product or your favorite piece of software that you use right now. You know, like, can you think of a few? Absolutely, yeah. Really like, enjoy using it. Airtable yeah. tool we're using to record this. Squadcast is quite good. Great. Um, so you would presumably, I would say, you would probably reply to an automated email from Squad Squadcast if it hit on some of the pain points you were having trying to record podcasts. Would you agree? Well, because I'm a we're literally a paying customer of them, so if well, they no, send but, me an email, but before I'll read that, it. Before that, before that, before you're a paying customer. Um. Or Airtable. Let's say they had an amazing GIF or. You know, they had three bullet points that you love about their product today that you couldn't find in any other product. And it outlines it clearly. Would you reply to that regardless of if it was automated or personalized or not? Mm, would you want maybe. to would you want to learn more at the very least? I, well, I will tell you this. One thing that I have seen, I do get a fair number of cold reach outs. And usually when I get a cold reach out, even if it touches on a pain point that I have, um, they're very low quality and they look like trash. So I don't trust them. There you go. So I think that's the problem, right? It's not that they're automated or not personalized. I think that they're low quality. But if there's a high quality email that you get that's automated, right? it's still, you know, it's it still should be worth your time to open it and be aware of the technology that that person is pitching, right? So yeah. I think that like, I think that's what we should focus on is, not whether or not you're getting spammed or you're getting a whole set of cold emails. I think it's more, is the quality of the email, again, whether it's personalized or automated, because I think there's high quality automated emails, 
is the quality of the email something worth looking at and replying to, right? And I think the problem is that most automated emails are low quality, but again, there's still somebody trying to do their job, right? And so I think the the premise of any public post shouldn't be don't reach out to me because I'll reach out to your CEO or don't reach out to me because I'm eating dinner with my family at 6 p.m. and you're cold calling me. It should be the contents of that email, right? Because no matter where you are, what you're doing, if you have a burning problem you're trying to solve, you probably appreciate somebody reaching out to you about that. Okay, I can kind of see where you're coming from. I do think that like one of the things that I have taken from like a lot of what we've talked about in, in like modern sales is that the people who actually have written the high quality emails are often usually also the people who are better at finding a warm intro and a warm lead. And so like part of my like, you know, Bayesian heuristic is like if it's a cold intro or cold email, it's probably low quality by default. Yeah, I would say it might be lower quality. It might be. But um, remember, the goal for a lot of these teams is to build awareness as well. Right. And it's hard to build awareness with one to one bespoke interactions. And so you also do need to scale. You also need repetition. You need a diversification of approaches. And that means not always doing hand to hand um, or handwritten, like handcrafted, bespoke interactions, you also need to have volume to get your awareness out there too. Yeah. So, so can we agree at least that sending six unsolicited follow-up emails is too much and is a low quality? Could be. It depends, right? It depends on a variety of things. I mean, here's another situation. I'm not going to say that six follow-up emails is uh, absolutely low quality. It could be. Right? Because yes, like the fact that that person hasn't replied probably means your content isn't compelling. But remember on the other side, there's all sorts of other things we're looking at. We talked about intent data platforms like Bombora that scream at SDRs to say, hey, listen, Alex, this is an account that's trending in the direction of wanting to look for a VPN replacement. And so you might hit that group of folks, you know, the right titles again, with multiple messages because you're getting indicators and data points that this company's ready to move off their VPN replacement. So you want more shots on goal to try and engage them. And sometimes people reply to the six email and say, hey, thanks for being persistent. I actually was meaning to reply to you, but my inbox is filled with messages and I have priorities. So you just never know, you know, as a seller, like what situation everybody is in. And so it's hard yeah. to, it's hard to guess, right? It's hard, it's hard to mind read what situation you're getting yourself into when you're sending emails. Uh, but with that logic, you might as well send a hundred follow-up emails. But I think we'd all agree that sending a hundred follow-up emails is like not a great plan. Yes, there's a diminishing returns. And like, that's why I think these platforms like Outreach and SalesLoft are good because they give you like open rates and reply rates for every single sequence. And so it also is actually like a data framework and experiment to see, you know, where that fall off is. Right. But, but yeah, yeah, I agree. There is a diminishing point of returns after like maybe the seventh or eighth email. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will tell you, I don't think I've ever responded to anything after maybe the second or third. I have, I will say I have seen some good follow-up emails, um, particularly in recruiting where people will actually drip interesting content in their second or third emails. It makes you want to listen or like pay attention. So I see the value there. I think if you've hit six and it's like, bump type messages 
I yeah, I think that's low quality crap. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think the other point is that the call to action can't be the same thing. You can't be single threaded on that. You know, and mm-hmm. a lot of times salespeople just want the meeting, right? But there's other things of value, right? There's like this piece of content I thought you'd be interested in, or we're hosting a virtual networking event or a physical networking event. So mm-hmm. I think if you're creative yeah, okay. with the approaches, right, and creative with what you're offering, and it's not always like listen to me pitch you. But it could be like just meet with, you know, 15 of your peers, you know, then it becomes interesting, I think. Right. So I think, again, like that goes back to quality versus whether or not um, you should be reached out to. Right. Because for the most part, I do think sales teams are and marketing teams are forced to get to the right title, the right type of company. Right. Because time is limited and they do need to focus. That, you know, that that resonates, actually, this idea of like multiple offers. I could see six emails if you had something different in each of them and they weren't like a week apart or some crap like that, where it's obviously just garbage. Yeah. One, one thing, one thing I noticed, you know, I, I got one of these emails today. It was actually not for a product, but it was like to attend some dinner for a conference I'm going to. And I actually just like archived it. Cause I was like, if they're serious, they'll send me another email. Mm. And, um, and part of the reason I did that was actually, I think, because their first email was crap. Like, it didn't say why I was invited or who mm. else was invited or anything like that. Right. And so I'm assuming that, like, they're going to, they're sending out their first email and then their second email is going to have more content in it to explain it. Or if not, I'm like, I don't really want to go to this anyway because, like, I don't know what this is about. Yeah. And so, like, it's really, I, I think there's a, there's like a meta game that's being, like, gamed out here where, like, recipients also do expect, follow totally. emails yeah that's they, a good point yeah but to your point like they have to provide va- like all these emails have to provide value and frankly this person who sent me this email you know is automated whatever like if they'd explained more detail and it wasn't like a crap email i might have been more like exactly yeah imagine because you mentioned a couple things social proof right like who's going to be at it and then also the first thing is like context like why am i invited so yeah that probably would have been very different if it's like hey alex notice you've been at you you've been cto at us digital response for three years and by the way peter's going to this dinner about sales podcasting you probably reply to that <laughs> right yeah. so and, yeah and it doesn't and to your point, it doesn't need to be super personalized, but it needs to be like, we're hosting an event for like CTOs yeah. or like something. It's like, why? Why, yeah, why yeah. am I getting this? And like XYZ person in your network is going to be there, right? That makes it a lot more compelling. Right? That so, certainly would make it a lot more compelling. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think we're, okay. So this has been a really interesting debate. Why don't we like try to like extract some takeaways for folks mm-hmm. that- you know, point of this is not just to argue about whether I should be hitting the spam button, but like, what does it mean? Like, what is the experience you're trying to create at a company? And it sounds like we're saying a few things. One, like, you, some things just have to be scaled and automated, and, and like, that's going to happen. And like, multiple emails are fine, but you need to provide concrete value in all of the emails. You need to explain why you're sending it to somebody, why they're the right recipient. Like, you got to, like, put in the, the scaled work, but there's still the work. Yes. Of, of saying like you're a CTO or you're a you know VP of enterprise or whatever, like explaining why that email is coming in. And then like you should expect to have to send follow-ups, but your follow-ups should be meaningful and additive and maybe clever. You know, I, I got one email thread where it was from a company and, and the second email was a, a sample of the data that they were offering. That was like interesting. Hmm. Um, it was, it, they were trying to recruit. It was a recruiting email. And, and this company did like, 
comp related stuff. So like they sort of gave you like, here's what it looks like. And here's how we think about comp for our company. Very um, cool. And I thought that yeah. was like a really clever way to do it. So it feels like there is something there. Um, totally. It's all about thoughtfulness and being automated doesn't mean that there's no thought put into it. And it also doesn't mean your personality isn't injected into it, right? Because people are still creating these automated sequences to show that they're clever and that they're adding value. Yeah. It also kind of feels to me though, that companies have a responsibility to manage their, their like new grad SDRs and not just let them put in these like bullshit, like five emails over the course of a week, like bump, 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 bump. Yeah, exactly. Every new company or every company that's building an SCR team should just have them listen to this episode. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think that's right. I think, okay. I think we've got, I think we've gotten somewhere, Peter. I think Great. we can conclude that um, it's it's probably sort of like unprofessional maybe to complain a lot about receiving reach out emails. And I, I want to land on one last thing. There was actually a response to that post that you shared. You shared it with me before this call. You, you want to, I thought it was really interesting. It's from the, from the, from a CISO. Yeah. From uh, a CISO, I really respect. And he said, I typically reply to these emails and let them know it's not a right fit right now as I'd hope someone would extend the same kindness and compassion to SDRs and AEs in my own organization. So that's a really good point, right? You probably have SDRs and salespeople that are trying to get the word out there about your product too. So, you know, extend that same sort of compassion and empathy to other SDRs reaching out to you. Yeah. And I would just add one caveat, which is like, you're at that CISO's company probably has SDRs and, and AEs who are sending high quality emails. And I think that's the differentiator. Yes, yes, definitely. And if there's a few that send low quality emails initially, you know, we shouldn't shame them. They're learning, right? And we all learn. And but yeah, the, the end goal is to make sure companies are training their workforce to to send out high quality content. Yeah. And I and I would just say, like, I don't think it's about shaming the the AE or the SDR. It's about the company. The company's totally. doing a bad job of managing their, their sales team if they're sending out garbage. Like they're not setting them up for success. Agree, agree. All right. Well, Peter, this was a fun episode. I liked the debate style. Felt like we got into things. Um, for our listeners, um, what do you think? How do you feel about cold reach outs? Do, what are your tips for making a cold reach out palatable? Do you respond to cold reach outs? What are your thoughts? Let us know. Um, send us an email, podcasters at decodingsalespodcast.com, or post about us on your favorite social platform. And finally, uh, don't keep us a secret. We would love your, um, if you think we're worthy of it, your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and share us with your friends, especially your SDR friends. 